You're listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hykera, and this is episode 79. This is a very special extra episode this week that I recorded with uh, Camden Unglesby from uh, the Black Flame Death Cult, among other projects. And um, yeah, it's all about Halloween and horror and all those types of topics, so I figured it was very appropriate uh, episode to be coming out on Halloween itself. I'm recording this, it's Devil's Night. We're about through you know, about two hours away from um from Halloween starting, so by the time you guys hear this it will be Halloween. And yeah, I hope everybody has a great Halloween and uh you know watches some horror movies. I've been watching you know, I've almost watched thirty one. Didn't quite make the full thirty one, but that's just because of my work and everything it can be a little hard with having the the radio station and running those the shows and stuff. You know, I have a limited amount of time. But I've tried to get as many in as few nights. I've watched two or three movies, so you know, kinda of made up for it that way. So I've gotten close to that. And uh yeah, I hope everybody, you know, watches some horror movies, um and uh, you know, has a great Halloween, does some something cool for Halloween, you know, I'm gonna be scaring little kids. So that's <laughs> That's kind of what I'll be doing. My friend and I, my friend Mike Purdy, obviously, who I did the Friday the 13th and do Horror Hotel with, we, uh, I scare kids at his house with him, you know, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's really nice to just be outside. I love being out and about on Halloween. Um, I've done, like, DoorDash in the past, like, um, and I actually really enjoyed doing it on Halloween, just being out and seeing all the kids and delivering stuff and seeing old decorations and uh, even just being out and, you know, scaring kids and just being out. Sometimes, like, usually when we get done, I like to kind of drive around and check out all the decorations and stuff. It's just nice to be out and have that, that energy. And so I hope a lot of people are out and, uh, you know, as me and Cam get into this, it's like people doing truck-or-treat need to be ashamed of themselves because they're killing Halloween. So they need to fuck right off. Yeah, let's, let's fucking have Halloween be Halloween, um, you know. Like, uh, let kids come out and trick-or-treat and just, I don't know, it's supposed to be a night of horror and wonder at the same time. You know, I don't know. I'm also not, when I was a kid, I was a purist. I believe that you should have Halloween costumes be, like, scary stuff. You know, I don't really, I don't believe in being something not scary. There's only two years, the entire time I was a kid, trick-or-treating. I did something that wasn't that scary. One year I was Merlin, based off of the the Merlin from Excalibur. That was my my inspiration, because I absolutely fucking was obsessed with that movie growing up. It was a very very important movie, as some people might know, for me, um, and uh, has a lot of esoteric importance as well. Even, um, but yeah, so I was Merlin one year, and then one other year I was uh, I was Zorro. So those because I. I love Zorro, what great character. You can see why Batman was inspired by him, you know. Big fan of Zorro. So uh so those are the only two two times. And I think maybe that was the year that the Zorro movie came out too with Antonio Banderas and uh, Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Zeta Jones, like, you know. I loved loved fucking Antonio Banderas when I was a kid, you know, Desperado and Zorro of course and uh uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is one of my very first big, huge crushes. <laughs> so, you know, 
sure all that played a part in my uh, Zorro obsession as well. But, you know, I read the books that it was based off of and all the cast. Stuff. I was just really into that. Either way, it's still a dark character. He's wearing all black. I probably would dress as a shadow as well. As a kid, I never did, but I would have because, again, he's a dark kind of menacing character. I was really into Zorro, the shadow, and Batman. Like, those are my characters, you know. Anything that's wearing black, all black, I'm pretty down with it, you know. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so, but the rest of the years when I was a kid, and I never, ever, ever dressed not scary. I had to be scary. You know, I was the mask of the Red Death. I talk about being a headless horseman in this episode and other stuff. That's what I, that's what I like to be, is something scary. So, yeah, just never forget the roots of this holiday. It's about death, you know. It's about death and rebirth and harvesting and all that kind of stuff. Remember, it's November coming fire. So, yeah, so I hope you guys have a great Halloween and enjoy this episode of me and Cam. And, uh, yeah, happy Halloween, happy Samhain or Samhain, however you want to call it. And, um, and yeah, this is a pretty proper Halloween as well as that. As it, the full moon doesn't fall exactly on Halloween. It was this weekend. But the full moon is technically the, the proper Samhain. The closest to 31st of October, full moon is pretty much the true Samhain. So we're pretty much there. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to get into the all of the... Uh, oh yeah, and then of course I also got to mention I currently in the in the midst of the... Dragon Rouge conference. Unfortunately, Thomas Carlson was not able to make it because of some health issues. But you know, Eric and and everybody were all um, you know soldiering on, and it's bit, uh, just got done with day one. And it was great. You know, got the next two days. So um, yeah, it's awesome. It's been awesome. It's it's gonna be awesome. And uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back in time to the episode that I recorded with Eric, all about uh, the uh, Dragon Rouge conference. But yeah, um, unfortunately, it is very unfortunate Thomas Carlson couldn't uh, come out. I was very much looking forward to meeting him, but um, it is the it is what it is. Uh, that is how life is. Sometimes things don't work out uh, the way you plan on it, but uh, it can still be good no matter what. Yeah, let's get into the plugs, and then uh, we'll get into the episode of Cam. So I'm part of a gang of podcasters called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse. Every other Monday is Horror Wolf 666 of Brandon Legion, and he just put out an episode. Go check it out. It says Halloween episode. Every Tuesday is Into the Necrosphere of Jackie Schmidt. And be sure, uh, as this episode is coming out, the new Enter the Necrosphere com- uh, Halloween episode is coming out, and I am on that episode doing the news segment with Jackie. So uh, I think the first half is Mike Hill and Ralph, um, and then I'm doing the new segment with Jackie. So it's a very, it's a horseman extravaganza um, this week on Into the Necrosphere. Um, Wednesday is uh, everything went back with Mike Hill, um, and uh, of course last week we did uh, the Soul Knox uh, everything went back um, uh, collaboration show, which is uh, Every Darkness Weaves, all about Carl Edward Wagner. And so you can go back and listen to the one last Wednesday that we did uh, about our last story from In a Lonely Place. Every Thursday is uh, Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. And every Friday are the artists formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, now known as Spitball Media. And intermittent times, whenever he manages to get it out, we got Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. 
So that is the uh, the lineup of the Horsemen, and then of course, always as always, follow, be sure to go follow my my brother Constantine uh, Tuonohovi out in Finland with his podcast, Mycelium Signal. He's not a horseman, but he's a, a a known associate, so to say. He's one of the, one of our one of the associates. So yeah, check everybody out. You can follow me at either my name or at Denver Underground Radio on Instagram. And uh, Denver Underground Radio is, of course, the uh, online radio station I run. We have shows every Tuesday and Thursday nights uh, live at DenverUndergroundRadio.com. Uh, the shows start at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and Tuesday is Darklands, which is black metal, death metal, dark ambient. Thursday is the Upstairs Room, which is goth, post-punk, dark wave, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, you can follow us on uh, on Instagram and see all our playlists and see uh, see all sort of stuff about the podcast. And, yeah, I have like a show uh, Tuesday night uh, for Halloween. It's my Halloween show. Everything kind of falling on the same day. So, And then I also have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. $2 a month, and you get two to four bonus episodes a month. And it also very much helps support the podcast. Helps keep us, keep everything going and rolling. And I appreciate everybody who is part of it. And, you know, appreciate anybody who signs up. You'll get a shout-out on the, on the feed here if you do. And, uh... Yeah, and I uh, just put up an episode uh, on uh, a few days ago with uh, Mike, uh, sorry Matt um, Frizo, all about um, the third and fourth Hammer Dracula movies, Prince of Darkness and Risen from the Grave. Uh, so check that out if you're interested. It's a great conversation, Matt. Um, and uh, like I said, in two days on the second, you're going to be hearing the second part of the. Danzig series, um, Danzig uh, episode with my friend, uh, my brother Joe Salino, part of our Satanism and Spirituality series. Um, so yeah, so the next episode is going to be all about Danzig uh, 5 up to Death Red Sabbath, song by song, so check it out uh, when it comes out, and just in time for the Day of the Dead. And then, um, yeah, next month for that series we're going to be covering anti-cosmic satanism so that'll be fun <laughs> but yeah so give it everybody give it all a listen i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of cam and uh yeah i'm gonna play a song from the black flame death cult and i hope you guys enjoy and always hail satan
back to the podcast, Cam. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Super, super awesome to talk to you the first time, and uh, really excited to get into some uh, some real nerdy conversation today with our all things horror, and maybe I'll drag you down the path of uh, comic book horror too while while I've got you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we can get it, get in all that kind of stuff. One second, and um, you know, like talk about all, all the stuff now. Uh, one second. Well, it's really funny because uh, this uh, now that now that my kids are getting older, we've been kind of like catering their uh, like their movies and their shows as as far as like horror goes with kind of like what we're comfortable with letting them watch. And, uh, you know, my oldest is going to be 13. So that's the seventh grade. And by that point, I was definitely watching, you know, I was I was already full swing a horror fanatic, you know, watching all things that uh you know, whatever my dad was watching, honestly. You yeah, know, I mean, my, my original my original taste stemmed from whatever he was listening to and watching. Well, I mean that yeah, I mean, that's probably a good way to get get back to is like when what started off like um, you know, where did you start with horror? Like what was your introduction, like what age, all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Like where did the where did it all kind of kind of really start from, you know? Yeah, it, you know, it is definitely a lot linked to um, like whatever my dad was watching, but my grandmother was also a big horror fan. And I would go to her house every summer and spend, you know, two or three weeks up there in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, I, it was awesome because I didn't do, have to do anything. I would just sit on the couch and scroll through her uh, VHS collection. And, you know, I was watching everything from like, lethal weapon a robocop to uh halloween and and you know all that early stuff and uh you know a lot of things i think you know looking back on i was much too young to be watching anyway (laughs) there's a lot of a lot of language a lot of violence that you know i think today's modern parenting would be kind of like you know cringing and reeling back on but but But, uh but it kind of is like something i think about as like when i was a kid particularly like my you know, my parents knew that I knew real from fake, so they didn't, they yeah. weren't really too like uh, they had certain things that they didn't really. You know, there was there was a few things where they're like, "Nah, it's just a little bit too much for you." But generally, I mean, I watched all kinds of. You know, I watched everything. I mean, my mom really didn't even pay attention to what we rented. Like, me and my stepbrother, when I was there in the summer, we'd just rent pretty much everything we rented was R rated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And uh, you know, I feel like I feel like some people seem to forget that kids can like kind of they'll watch some stuff and stuff they don't quite understand they just kind of gloss over it like if it's like yeah sexual that's, that's very or true something like that like they'll just they just yep. they don't even know what what they're talking like i mean i saw rocky Horror picture show when i was probably eight or something had no idea like about any kind of sexual like stuff going on in it yeah. i just thought it was a bunch of <laughs> yeah. people dressed up like you know singing songs and stuff you know what i mean like i didn't really then like i watched it as a teenager and you're like oh wait <laughs> Like, oh, that's what he's. That's why. That's why Frankenfurt is creating this like hunk of a man. I was like, I did not get it yeah. at all when I was a kid. Well, <laughs> well, that's what I wonder too. I'm like, you know, how much of this is me being able to look back, like as a as a as a parent, and when watching some of this older stuff with you know my kids now, and uh, you know, I find myself kind of like clutching my pearls, if you will, and I'm like, oh, but I look at them and they're like we have no idea what's what's going on <laughs> you know yeah and it's also funny too you know with scenes like um you know especially in friday the 13th you know it's it's teenagers 
you know, having sex and getting high in the woods. And that's like what happens in so much of the scenarios there. But, uh, you know, for them with both being girls and, and older girls, it's funny for them to see like a topless woman. They, they kind of like, don't, it doesn't impact them at all. They're like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're yeah. girls too. We know what, what this is. And I think when, you know, I grew up in a house of three boys, I'm the oldest of, of three boys you know, my dad'd be like, "Oh, cover your eyes." So we'd sit there with our, you know, our <laughs> eyes through the slits in our fingers, being like, "Oh, what, what's going on?" But I kind of remember like that that stuff. Like, I don't know. It just, yeah, it just didn't have the same impact. And you know, when you're looking at it now, it's like, "Oh, what what was I doing watching this stuff?" But yeah, yeah. some of the early stuff, man. It's like, uh, you know, I think uh, Day of the Dead was, I think, my first real first real love of horror and that's that's when it really kicked off it was uh it, it had that like suspense and you had the protagonist but you also within like the survivor community you had the protagonist and the antagonist but you also had this like um this this looming presence this doom that was you know out to get both sides and that you know was of course the the zombies and uh i think that from that that movie on was like really my that was my my thing even today like my my thing is like apocalyptic horror zombies survival horror you know that's my um that's my go-to and I, you know i think with uh you know the introduction of like the slasher era it was exciting because you had like these these main characters that were uh larger than life characters like jason michael myers freddie you know all the classics and when I think when you, um, may, maybe even for like you know boys especially, we were so into like these 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 big powerful creatures that were hunting down these people. We're always rooting for the the quote unquote bad guy. <laughs> you know, you want you want to see how bad Jason's going to beat the hell out of a camper. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think those the slashers are kind of a different type of thing where it's like, you know, you're kind of watching the slasher like kill people, but it's kind of like outside of reality. Like you're not really. It's not like watching like a real person kill another real person, you know. You're watching, yeah. You're watching, uh, you know, like with Jason, he's like basically a zombie, or you know, if you believe Evil Dead, uh, or if you believe um, Jason goes to hell, he's actually a deadite, you know what I mean? So it's like, yep, he's just like murdering people, and he can't kill him. He just keeps killing people, and it's real. It's it's real fantasy, you know. I remember reading that somewhere where they were saying that. the Voorhees saga takes place in the evil dead world. Yeah. And that, you know, something I don't, I don't really remember seeing the mom, I guess, read from the Necronomicon and brought him back to life. Well, yeah. So, how, you know. Yeah. So because they didn't have the rights to the evil dead, it couldn't do like a scene with her doing that, which is what they wanted to do in, in that movie. Yeah. But what they did is there's a part where the guy goes into the house and then he, he sees a book that looks basically like the, exactly like the Necronomicon. It has like all the, the writing in it and stuff. So it literally just looks like the Necronomicon from the first Evil Dead. And so they don't really put a pin in it. It's just for people yeah. who know Evil Dead go, oh, okay. But the intended backstory was that she, you know, ro- rose him from the dead before she was killed in the first movie. 
So then like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like when, uh, the dollar store sells action figures, you know, you've got the, uh, the Avengers, but it has a Batman figure in it. Cause they didn't have the licensing to the actual Avengers. You know, it's like they have like the dollar tree version of the Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, so technically in that, but I mean, it makes sense because there's no other way that Jason could survive dying in every movie that the yep. way he does and coming back, you know what I mean? Like even back to, two or three or four you know mm -hmm. it it would make more sense that yeah he's like kind of a deadite and he's gonna come back and keep murdering and and everything you know what i mean so that's what we started doing so you know with, with uh reagan we started watching um you know like a handful of kind of some of my favorites from each of those characters like we watched the original um halloween so we watched halloween one and two and then the most recent three, which I guess is supposed to be the canon. So that gives you the beginning, middle, and end. And then we watched um, a handful of Friday the 13th. But it's really interesting to see how, like, that, especially with Jason, how that character has progressed. So by the time you get to the 2009 version, you know, he's, in, in my opinion, he's almost scarier. Because he's this big ogre of a man, but he's also fast. Like he's actually like running after people in, in this movie where previously he's kind of just like lumbering around, you know, he's like this big dominating figure hiding in the woods. But by the time you get to 2009, you know, he's, he's actually like mobile. It's kind of like watching, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar in the WWE, you know, you've got this giant dude like chasing you. It almost made, in my opinion, it makes it scarier, but you know, yeah. you know, some, some people hate that. Some people like that. Even, of course, even in the era of, uh, you know, um, oh, what's his name? Came Hodder. Like, he, I, he kind of walked with a purpose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he would kind of stalk. He wouldn't run, but he would, like, walk very purposefully. You know what I mean? He always felt like he was, like, a shark, like, just kind of moving forward and murdering and whoever got yeah. in his way, you know? But I've heard that. I've heard that analogy, too. He's like a shark and there's blood in the water. And yeah. He's like, all right, now I'm. You know, I'm I'm moving forward. I'm this juggernaut. Nothing's going to get in the way. Yeah. Which you know, I think both both elements, especially the way it's shot, that can really, you know, depict how scary this is going to be. Yeah, but definitely the the Jason in that remake was like, I mean, there's no way you're fighting that guy. He's like fucking seven feet tall and like the size of a house, basically. I mean. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> you're done. If he you're done, if he yeah. punches through your door, it's it's yeah, it's game over. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's what's funny too is, uh, with each with each generation of those films, they feel like they have to kind of like up the ante and raise the bar a little bit. And it's like, well, what's going to make this scarier now? Instead of kind of coming up, in my opinion, coming up with like a uh, really interesting story, like how can we make the the bad guy scarier oh well he didn't run before so now we'll make him fast and now he's chasing people and you know he's catching them right and, uh you know we we saw that with the uh the zombie movement you know it was you had the george romero saga and then you didn't have anything for a long time and then you had 28 days later i remember going to see that in the theater and looking down the row at my buddies and we were just like oh shit <laughs> yeah. this is terrifying like these guys are now they're fast as hell and you know, they don't get exhausted. There's no muscle fatigue. So they're just like booking it after people and then they grab you and they're not just, you know, biting you like in the old black and white yeah. film. 
they're dude, they're yeah, they're going going all in and you know ripping you completely apart. So, yeah. but you know, like it's like okay, well that's cool, and you get the story with twenty eight days, and you, uh, what was the follow up? Was it twenty eight months, something like that? Twenty eight weeks later. Twenty eight weeks, yeah. So it's like all right, you've got you've got that story, but now what do you do with the actual story to keep it interesting? Because you can, you know there's like fan fatigue after a while. We're like, all right, we get it. You know, yeah, these, like, these zombies are scary for this reason now. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess you could say that 20 weeks later, 20 days later, they're, you know, they're rage victims, you know, they're not necessarily yeah. zombies, quote unquote, like they're not reanimated corpses. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's one difference between them. Of course. Then you got like uh, the remake of Dawn of the dead, which I think is pretty good. With Jack Snyder, Zack Snyder made, you know, yeah. I remember seeing that in the theaters and being blown away by like, oh fuck, these zombies are like run. That's because I hadn't seen twenty. 20 I saw twenty days later, or I think after I saw Dawn of the Dead. So that was like my introduction to the fast zombies. You know, I seen that in the theaters, and it was just like all of a sudden they're like running and fucking, you know, ripping people apart and stuff. It's not. Yeah, quite... you know, that's a that's a really interesting phenomena with the the remakes. You know, the um. Because when I think of a remake, it's almost like you're you're retelling the original story, kind of like what they did with uh, you had the '70s Halloween and then you had the late 2000s Halloween. You're kind of you're kind of retelling the the original story in a way. So when uh, Zack Snyder remade uh, his zombie film, you know he he may as well just called it something else. You know, I, in in my mind, I didn't even see any nods to the original story at all you know sometimes there's something that kind of anchors you back to the original story well i think i think that the anchor was the mall you know the anchor was them going to the mall was like the yeah yeah it was basically the same setup but a different Uh type of a bigger cast of people you know a different kind of direction Mm -hmm. the story went but it had to kind of like um it basically just had the same underlying concept of like a zombie apocalypse people go to a mall but yep. a totally different story, you know what I mean? Which there's something really fun about that original though. When they're in the mall, you get the you have the music playing and they show the people stumbling around and they even hit the rail and they fall, you know, they fall over the <laughs> rail like a few floors down. But you've yeah. got this like carousel music playing in the background the whole time. Yeah. And when you're a kid, you're like, "Oh, how awesome would it be if I was trapped in a mall?" Like that's something we always talk about as a kid. What if we stayed and we got locked in? What would we do? Oh, we'd go to the arcade or we'd like go to the snack stands and eat all the ice cream or, you know, we would find the coolest outfits and dress ourselves up. And then when they open them all, we'll just leave, you know, so it kind of plays on some of that, um, you know, some of those fun, fun elements as a kid. But what I really liked about Romero was, uh, you know, it was such a nod to uh, societal issues and governmental issues. And, you know, when you get under the surface of the surface story you really see what he's trying to say well, i always thought that was super cool yeah because i really liked in the original movie that um that you have that initial excitement of all that kind of stuff but then that kind of wears off right like eventually they're kind of yeah. like yeah we have all this stuff but what's the point because we're basically just trapped in this mall like you know you know right been in our yep. wheels like you know you're not really engaging with anything or doing it you know i mean they're just kind of like playing with stuff and it's kind of like you can see there kind of was a fatigue starting to set in and then ironically when the then the gang comes and breaks in 
then that suddenly gets them back to being active again. Like they were kind of like in this, they started, they started went from active participants in life to like these kind of passive, like consumers in the story and then right. back to an active life. You know what I mean? So it was like, he's like, playing well, and they were also, concept. you know, they forget that like outside those walls that like there was the apocalypse, like there is like roving gangs of, you know, biker gangs just outside. It's like they, they become so removed from the actual fallout that they forget. It's like, Oh yeah. Like there are going to be other people passing by this mall thinking the same thing. And we're like, Oh, we should go in there and find supplies. You know, you've got uh, Tom Zavini ripping through there on his motorcycle with his machete. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always love, I always love seeing Savini pop up and stuff. I think that's so cool. Yeah. He always plays the same part too. He's always like the same uh-huh. like biker gang guy and every, every, yeah. Movie yeah. Plays. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it, it's really funny, too, because you know, there's such a strong action element in a lot of that early stuff. And, I, you know, as a, as a kid, I liked a lot of that, you know, again, with like the slashers. To me, it's just like a um, it's like an action movie, but you're watching a different kind of uh, quote unquote hero. You know, you've got, you know, these, these monster esque men that are basically, you know, the the focus of the film. And I remember being so bored if they didn't have like if Michael wasn't on screen, I was so bored. I'm like I want to <laughs> see Michael. I want to see Michael doing something. If Jason wasn't on screen, I'm like, okay, now what? And uh, it, it's actually really funny because one of my one of my favorites, and I had to think, I had to sit back and think about this. Like, is it actually one of my favorites? It was Jason Takes Manhattan. So the first half of that film is a snooze fest, you know, and they get on the boat. And well, he doesn't get to was it was he get to Manhattan like like three quarters of the way in or something like that? Well, it's also like ridiculous that there's a cruise liner boat in Camp Crystal Lake that somehow magically right. travels to New York. <laughs> That's always been yeah. my issue with that movie is that I find it incredibly hard to buy into the movie because it's almost like yeah. you know like you're already buying into absurdity watching the movies, right? But there's like that yeah. step too far where you kind of like really it makes it difficult. Like so. But if you can just at least just buy into the idea that somehow there's a cruise liner on Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, it's uh, it's really funny, too, because when they whenever they show clips from that movie, they always show him in an urban environment. But that's another scenario where they're like, OK, we get it. He haunts through the trees in this campground and you, you, you know, the viewer already knows what the story is. So how do we make it more interesting? Oh, we know we'll put it in a city setting. And then we'll see what would Jason do in a city setting. But it's not nearly as wild as you think. He like bumps into those punk rockers and like kicks their boom box. But then they kind of like give it this campy spin. And then instead of him like attacking them, he like takes his mask off and they're like, oh, he's so ugly. And they run off, you know? Yeah. The like two I, seconds I, of the movie that was filmed in, in Manhattan for real. Cause like they literally only filmed like five minutes in Manhattan. The rest of the movie was filmed in Vancouver, I think. Or right. somewhere in somewhere in Canada, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just so funny when when they do that. It's kind of like what they did with the Evil Dead. They're like, all right, you you know, you know the story. He's in the cabin in the woods. You know what happens with Ash and all his friends. How can we make this more interesting? And then the most recent one, they tried to put it in a in an urban environment, which I feel like wasn't even really an urban environment. They they set it in like this one building. You know, you never really saw it take over the cityscape or anything or chaos unfold in the city. I, I it's wonder, all 
I'm wondering if that if that that might be the intention for their next movie with that series is they might be like I kind of feel like they're setting up like potentially a a sequel where the Evil Dead like escapes out of that place and so because because you could literally you could have it like I was thinking about that I was like it would be cool if the next step for the, for the series is to have like an Evil Dead apocalypse yeah and suddenly yeah. like it suddenly you bring back Ash and you know you have Ash and maybe even the 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 chick from the Evil Dead um kind of remake but not really remake the other you know the Evil Dead Freddy Avarez Evil Dead and then have the chick from the Evil Dead Rise if you had all three of them come together and it's like this fucking like a zombie apocalypse like that's pretty much the only thing I want to see if they're going to do another Evil Dead movie is like straight that up like easily uh that can easily spiral into like a Ghostbusters thing though. You know, you've got the deadites flying through the sky and like, we need a, we need a group of heroes to come save the day. Who do we have? And then there's a giant state puffed marshmallow man walking through the street. But I mean, that is the next, that's the next stage of, of the series though. In a lot of ways, you know, you need to have. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I really liked the uh, Ash versus the evil dead series. I, I feel like that didn't get enough traction for some reason, but that, that series was so good and it was so fun to see it had that original magic, you know, like Ash is kind of like, you know, he's not a hero. He's just an everyday guy. And he kind of buys into the fact that he's got this like lore behind him, but he's living in a trailer in the opening sequence of season one. He's like putting on his metal hand. He goes to work at the local Tiki bar and he's cutting open kegs with his chainsaw and that kind of thing. You know, it's, if you haven't seen it, it's really fun. It's actually, you know, it's really cool. Yeah, And the the effects and everything are, are very good. Yeah, I haven't actually seen that one. My favorite Evil Dead is the first one. Like, yeah, I don't, you know, Evil Dead Two is okay, but it's not. I don't like it as much as the first one and Army of Darkness as well. You know, like, I kind of felt like with the Evil Dead series, it's it's kind of like declining results of each movie for me personally. Like, and yeah. um, as much as I love the Evil Dead, the first movie, I just like, would, yeah. I mean, I'd like to. I watched Ash vs Evil Dead, so I've you know. Bruce Campbell's like the best part of all those movies, but it's kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I did like the Freddy Alvarez evil dead. Cause it was really fucked up, you know, like, and uh, pretty grim. Well, I know? think that's what they're, you know, they're with the, um, with that one, with the Alvarez remake, I feel like they really got the closest to grabbing that original magic that the first evil dead had, but a lot of things changed in that time. You know, you had technology changed. You had like the quality of cameras changed. Like even uh, makeup and special effects, like all of it had changed so much that it can't help but feel like a like a polished version. Like it doesn't have that same um, kind of low budget, gritty vibe. You know, it's it's like um, it's like when they take your favorite like punk album that sounds like super lo-fi when you first hear it and then they polish it and remaster it. And it sounds like it's trying to be so much bigger than what it should sound like. You know, it's kind of like they do that inadvertently. But by the time you get to, uh, I think especially the Army of Darkness, they give him such like a comic booky, campy kind of character. It feels like you have two different versions of Ash. Yeah. You know, it's like you have that first guy and then you have this this newer version. It's actually funny because I'm sitting here looking at it. I've got him sitting right here. Yeah. The uh, But, you, you know, you can it's got the it's got the one liners there, dude. It's like this is my boomstick. Yeah. Mean, come on. <laughs> the, the thing with with those movies is that I kind of look at them as different. Like I see Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness as being like 
a different thing from the original Evil Dead, you know, like because yep. you kind of have to look at them that way because it gets so campy and ridiculous. You just have to enjoy it in that way as opposed to the way that you enjoy the original movie, you know. Absolutely, and I think you know what really makes a lot of that early stuff, and I think you've touched on this before, but like what really makes a lot of this early era horror like really magical is the uh, like the actual physical effects. You know, like they they sit down and they make they make the puppets, they make the props, they make the blood, and they you know, not everything has like the green screen slab on it, and the you know they're not just hanging out making movies with their imagination in a green square. Yeah, that's something that I don't I can't stand. It's one of the reasons I don't I really don't can't stand Marvel movies. I think they're boring. Like, yeah, I hate I hate like, and I feel like you know it's gotta be so hard to be an actor in those movies because you just have to like somehow imagine like what's going on, like behind you. Like I couldn't imagine dude. Like there's yeah. no way. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a pretty imaginative person, but like if you put me in a green suit with the little dots all over it and they go, all right, go into this big green room and pretend to be scared. <laughs> it's like of what, you know, yeah. like I don't, I don't know what's going on. That's why I think it's like, it's just, yeah, I don't, I'm not, not into the, uh, the whole Marvel movie thing. I like stuff to be real. And I think, um, yeah, I'm glad to see that real effects have kind of had a comeback. Like a lot more movies nowadays are doing more and more practical effects and we're just using CGI to augment the practical effects as opposed to like just doing, just, just doing CGI. I feel like that's been definitely a big movement over the last few years. I think because people realize that CGI just isn't convincing, you know, no matter what. Oh yeah. I mean, if you've got like, if you're filming a scene and you've got like a literal dark hallway and then there's a, 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 a stunt person in a, in a monster suit and they jump out and scare you, like you're probably going to get a real surprise reaction from the actor. You know, you're probably going to get like an actual visceral reaction from them. Whereas like, so right before you called, uh, we started. So I told Reagan, like, all right, we've, we dabbled in some Jason. We dabbled in the Halloween and uh, I listened to um, Mick Garris's interview with John Carpenter. And it's such an awesome interview because it's so real. And they're both like super chill, humble dudes. And uh, it sparked the idea. Like, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to watch all the John Carpenter films. So we started with The Thing. So right before you called, we were about maybe 30 minutes into The Thing. So at this point, you know, they've stumbled upon the first like, like creature, if you will. You know, but you you're looking at this thing and they couldn't do it with CGI. It didn't exist yet. So these guys are looking at a real sculpted model. You know, there's rubber, latex, all the, the fake blood. And they, you know, they're slicing it, the, the specimen with their, their knife. And he's pulling out the insides from this thing and they're examining everything. And, you know, these guys are holding like real special effects props and stuff. And it's so gooey and you can even see. And some of their faces, they're getting a little sick looking at it for real. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like that scene like where in that movie where the thing, the head sprouts the legs and it goes off. And like, what does he say? He's, yeah. like, he's like, what the fuck? Or I forget like the word. Like, but I guess that, I think that was him. That was improv. Him just saying it because of like, yeah, seeing of, the yeah, effect. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's like a remote control head with legs and it's running off. I mean, some of that stuff is probably, you know, that, that's, that's so awesome. Like I, I would have loved to have been around at that time. And, uh, you know, 
just just see what their actors' responses were to things, you know. Yeah, because if, really if, cool. if you are seeing something real and tangible like that, that's making you feel kind of sick. Imagine being an actor having to like, interact with that thing. You know what I mean? Like, yep, yeah, it's just like a whole different type of type of thing. And I mean, even like when you watch like the the Living Dead movies, you know, like if you watch like Night of the Living Dead, I mean, they were literally like chomping through like you know meat and guts and stuff same thing with uh yeah of course there's the famous story in day of the dead where when they tear apart um the uh the asshole military guy oh yeah yeah the soldier and, and i guess that the 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 they were using real guts like real pig guts and stuff and they <laughs> somebody had unplugged the refrigerator they're keeping it in so it went bad and they didn't have time oh. to go get new new guts for the scene like they had to get the scene in you know what i mean so yep. they they literally were using like rotting stinking <laughs> guts like so when you see the movie and he's like look he looks like he's about to puke because he's like yeah they're like this with all these like rotting guts coming out uh -huh. <laughs> it's because he was about to puke because he kept like, every in between takes they had to like they always had one take where they ripped him apart because nobody could stand like the stench you know what i mean <laughs> I love that, man. That's that's I think one of the coolest things about horror movies in general, especially from that era, is is the behind the scenes stuff. You know, you've got some of these icons like Greg Nicotero from back then, and you can see how he applied a lot of that work to uh, some of the Walking Dead stuff later on. And you've got these like gnarly, like just creatures. One of the coolest parts I always thought from that scene was when they're like actually pulling his head from his body. Yeah, and you the can other hear guy. him like screaming. Yeah. And but the stretching of the vocal cords, his voice gets higher and higher and higher, and then it snaps. Yeah. I always thought that was so cool. It's a really cool, you understood like, what was happening. Yeah, it's a really cool uh, uh, little like additional effect. Like it's it's a part yeah. of Tom Savini like basically wanting to have everything be as real as possible. You know. Yeah, he's like, what you know? How would this? sound if someone's if this guy's screaming and he just keeps stretching that band and his vocal cords until it snaps it's so wild to me i think um yeah to me like uh day of the dead and then his night of the living dead remake are like the mm -hmm. magnum opus of tom savini like effects yeah. you know what i mean like that's when he's like Absolutely. mastered his zombie effects like some of the zombies in Night of the Living Dead remake are so like iconic, you know. Well, you know, sometimes I think too, it's like, well, like what what is actually scary? Like what what is the real horror element? You know, like some of this stuff that we're talking about right now, it's it's interesting, but it's not scary per se. It's gross, you know. So you get a reaction from people. Like when I'm sitting there watching um, some of this stuff with Jackie, you know, she's like. This is gross. This is the <laughs> grossest thing. But like, she's not scared, really. Yeah. So, you know, when we were talking about uh, doing this conversation, I've, I've been really thinking about like, well, what does it mean for to be horror? What qualifies any single product to be scary? What qualifies it to be horror versus, uh, you know, an action movie? Or, or it's just like gross for the sake of being gross and trying to get this crowd response from people. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I, the, that um, that series Terrifier is really interesting to me because it's it has such a retro feel to it. It really takes me back to being a kid and watching some of those slasher movies for the first time. But he's 
he's not really scary per se, but he's doing stuff that is so wild that, you know, he's got the girl hung vertically and he just slices through her with a, with a handsaw, like he's cutting through butter. I'm like, dude, you know how insanely difficult that would be? Yeah. Like there's no way he would just be laughing and cutting this girl down vertically. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it gets such a, such a crowd response. Cause they're like, Oh my God, this is so gross. And he like, you know, he's got her guts all pulled out and stuff. And like, it's like, okay, well, and I think what we as people consider scary changes as we get older and as we go through different things in life, like when we're kids, it's all about the jump scare. You know, you've got uh, the things that go bump in the night kind of thing. And that's what, you know, makes you uh, kind of look around the corner and makes you afraid of the dark. Cause you know, there could be something over there. And then as you get older, you're like, all right, well you realize that they're so fanatical that like, okay, Jason lives in camp crystal Lake. He's not going to be in my home down here in Virginia. You know, he's not going to be, you know, Michael Myers isn't coming after me in Virginia. He, he's, you know, he's going after his family and that kind of thing. So it's, I, I think that's why Freddie was probably out of those slashes, probably, you know, one of the more scary ones. Cause he comes to you and your dreams. You know what I mean? Like he's like, right. He's got that quality right. to him. Yeah. I think like, absolutely no one, no one's safe in that situation. Yeah. I think, um, I was just, I've been re-listening um, to Dance Macabre, the book that Stephen King wrote about horror, which uh-huh. I've read. I read many times, particularly when I was younger. But I'm actually listening to the audiobook off and on. And in that, he talks about the different kinds of horror, and he's like, "There's the kind of horror that's like, um, I guess you could say, like, kind of hitting you on some type of existential or cosmic level. It's hitting at some type of higher level of of." of horror you know what i mean like where you feel mm-hmm. like some people might even call that the more of the terror like it's this kind of more cosmological or existential or something like that you know like it's, it's hitting at something on a deeper more profound level and then you got well, you know like, that's uh th- that's what's interesting about that series uh sorry to cut you off <laughs> that's what's interesting about that series final destination uh-huh you know, like they, they were putting you in real world scenarios and we all think the same thing, right? I'm driving behind a truck. It's piled with lumber. What's the likelihood that this log is going to fall off of this truck and shoot through my windshield? Right. And then you read about it in the news. Like, oh, this couple was out hiking and a truck drove by and stopped at a light and everything on the back of the truck became unhooked and it killed them on their, on their hike. You know, so it's like, all right, final destination, you know, it can feel kind of campy after a while, but once you kind of dismiss the slashers and you're like, oh yeah, that could absolutely happen. Like, what if I somehow have the lawnmower running and it gets caught on my shoe and I get sucked under the, (laughs) you know, something, some of it's pretty wild, but you know, when it it starts making you think about things like, oh yeah, like that's, that is kind of scary. It's like, yeah, that's kind of that kind of stuff hitting you on like a different level. And then you got, the i guess like i think he goes like the act like this kind of horror of like um the showing you like the monster you know what i mean like you open the door and the monster's there and it's you know gonna eat you and you see the monster and all this gory detail and stuff like that you know like that's kind of creating a horrific reaction where you're kind of horrified about what you're seeing or whatever and then what do they call that is that like a full reveal yeah, it's like the reveal. It's like you open the door and the monster's there and it and it eats you kind of and you, you're seeing all yeah. of it. You know what I mean? And then he says like the lowest 
uh, form of horror is the gross out horror, gross out, where it's just going to right. like gross you out. And of yep. course, Stephen King's like, sometimes I do that because I'm not proud and just want to get a reaction out of you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you can use some of those tools to your advantage. You know, it depends on how you use them. Yeah, but at the same time, like, um, you know, I think once you reveal the monster, you've kind of given up the ghost. It's like, okay, you you've shown what what the thing is. And you, I think the viewer would become desensitized of the creature after a while. You know, it's like, think about when we're watching Frankenstein. It's like, okay, this idea, like what's under the sheet? What, what does the doctor have under the sheet? Right. And then when you finally see it and it's, it's the monster that we know today, you know, I would imagine back then people were shocked. Right. But then you see, you see him throughout the whole movie and you're like, all right, well, am I actually like supposed to be scared of this creature per se or or is this now just a supporting character in the narration at this right. point yeah i think it just depends because there's some movies where the creature is the terror like where you like well if like the thing the right. thing the creature in the movie is scary to look at mm-hmm. but it also is protein and transforms and all it also right. is an existential threat to but not only you and people around you, but also humanity as a whole. So I think that's probably okay. why the thing often is like a lot of people's pretty high on people's like most, most scary movies because it, I think it taps into the, the existential terror. It's horrific. Like, and the creature is like very like um, effectively horrific continuously. Like even when you're seeing it, like revealed right there is still like terrifying to look at. And then yeah, and it's it changes, also disgusting so it, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're getting all the reactions. <laughs> yeah. You're getting it's everything. And yeah. It's, and it's scary. And, and it, like you said, it changes, you know? So it's like, it's in the dog, it's in the man's head. It's, you know, it's this morphed bodies all melted together. You know, it's all these other things. And it's like, you know, it, it could be anything, you know, and it's, uh, it could be hiding in anybody, but yeah. And then it's, you know, so you have some stuff like that. And I find um, in, the, in the last couple of years, especially as my kids get older and I go through different things in adulthood, I find the things that the thing that scares me the most is uh, society. And I think what's really scary about society is that uh, you, you never really truly know what any one single person is thinking. You know, like you could be having a conversation face to face with somebody and they can be smiling and nodding and you're getting along just fine, but you don't know what they're actually thinking. You know, they're probably thinking, yeah, I would rather, and we've probably all been there. Like I would rather punch this person in the throat or they're (laughs) running off They're in their head. They're rattling off the list of things, uh, the ways that they would want to kill you, you know, but they're like, you know, the other parent on the soccer team, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We'll see you at soccer practice next week, you know, but in their head, they've got all these, these things going on. And I think that's why, like, I gravitate towards um, zombie stories so much because it's it's the guy next door that you wave to every day, you you know, happy holidays, how you doing, blah, 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 and you, you shoot the shit and you get in your car and you go, right? And then the next day, this person is this ravenous cannibal yeah. know, chasing you up the street and, you know, like, it's no longer... It's no longer Timmy from next door. You know, like what happened to this guy? He was so nice. What, what is he mad at me about? And he's trying to 
trying to kill you and not just try to kill you, but he wants to actually consume a part of your, you know, your entire body. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, just, I don't know. Something about that just freaks me out, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but Adam Neville or Neville. I think it's Neville. The, Neville. Yeah. Like I, I really got into folk horror. Thanks to that guy. And like all of his books are so good, man. Like e- even if they're like, you know, I've got my favorites from him, but like, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is seemingly normal people on the surface, but they've all got this dark secret. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I can't remember which one it is, but you know, the family moves into a house and they see the old couple next door. I think that's a cunning folk. Yeah. Cunning folk is fantastic. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. These like seemingly totally normal people. But then of course all is revealed as the story goes on and you know, the, the, they have this deep secret, but then they start doing little things to fuck with the neighbors. You know, they're, they're hiding the bones in the house and they're hiding all the markings under the doorway. And the guy's like, why is my life completely falling apart? And like, Oh, because the people over here are up to their antics and they're, you know, they're fucking with my life now. Yeah. So it's, it's like this, this play on society that uh, is really interesting to me. And I, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, you can see that kind of stuff on something like Rosemary's Baby as well. You know, they move in this apartment and then they get embroiled with like these evil, these neighbors who, you know, got, you know, got, you know, convinced that the husband and, you know, it's like this whole thing, you know what I mean? So it's like you have like that kind of story shows up a lot, you know, or particularly in folk horror is a lot of that too. You you stumble into a community and, and you're suddenly you're the victim, you know, like the Wicker Man or something like that. Yeah, you're the outsider. You've entered, you've entered our society. You're you're the weirdo. You're the odd man out. You know, so you can either join us or die, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. I'm always impressed too with your ability to recall all this stuff. Like, dude, I I can't remember shit these days. It's so crazy. Like, I I read so much stuff, watch so many horror movies and shows. Like, it all starts to like merge together after a while. It's so funny to me. <laughs> the um yeah i think um full core stuff is is cool in that way the uh the the whole kind of story it's funny though because for me like i never found that like say the wicker man or something particularly scary you know mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of stuff doesn't really scare me that much i think um i think some things that they that i re- respond to is um i don't know something like the wendigo by algernon blackwood where they're out in the woods in the middle of nature like completely cut off from everything and and there's these supernatural entities and stuff like that taking like stuff like that i can relate to probably from growing up and going hiking and being in the middle being in those types of locations and you could believe that there's some type of yeah entities or things going on and but then that can relate to something as well on a human level of kind of related to folk horror, but stuff like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or stumbling upon some creepy backwoods, like people or like cannibals or something like that. I mean, those are all very like believable, uh, real situations. Yeah, that's that be pretty uh... scary. You know, like, like to me, one of the most scary movies of all time is probably, uh, um, Deliverance. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I've seen that movie once and never want to see it again. You know what I mean? 
Well, that's kind of like, you know, the impression that I got, like I told you before, like when I took Evan out to the hills of Loray Caverns, we went to that restaurant. I was like, no, dude, this is a very real scenario. I've seen too many movies that start like this, and this could end very badly for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I actually think uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my top all-time, all-time stories. Like even, uh, you know, the Black Flame Cult, you know, a lot of you know if it's like they're lying to one of the songs but like that's and it's interesting because they don't give um leatherface a um almost like a, a paranormal element to them some of these some of these guys like michael myers and jason they do have such a strong paranormal element they're no yeah. longer um you know, it's not, it's not really on the surface. It's not really human, but you've got these, this family that lives in this house in the middle of nowhere, you know, and they, they, they send out the one guy who's pretty much like a scout, you know, the, the, when they pick him up in the van, yeah. the guy that cuts his hand and he's like, you know, spreading the blood on him. You know, he, he acts as kind of like a scout, you know, and he, they send him out and they bring him, they bring him on. It, it's almost like they run the entire town. And they kind of manipulate what the outsiders are doing and, and they manipulate every move that they make to finally get them to this house where they can do what they want with these people. And that's, you know, that's real. That's quote unquote real people doing uh, horrific things to other real people. And that is what I think is absolutely terrifying. Right. Because we've all been lost. We've all been lost on backwood back roads. We've had to pull over to weird places, you know. I, I tell you what, though, like those those kids in that movie are fucking idiots, you know. Like just walking right <laughs> into a house, like as soon as I I would like, if I I would never have walked up and knocked on that door. I would have saw all those like weird cars and all that stuff. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm not fucking walking up <laughs> to this house, you know. <laughs> and then some of those kids just like walk right in, like that one guy just walks walks right in, and then. Well, you know what it is. I think the um the world. Yeah, I mean, not, and no one answers. And he pushes the screen open. Yeah, but I think it's like uh, the world was such a smaller place back then. You know, people were more trusting, but yet, so they were um. You know, they they were kind of like left to their own devices, and they're like, "Oh, this is just someone's house. Look at all the cars they're working on in their front yard. Let's see who's home." <laughs> yeah, man. No way. I never walked. I well, never walked well yeah, like, yeah, but in in today's world, yeah, we would absolutely just keep rolling and be like, you know, fuck it, we'll find somewhere else to stop. Yeah. But like, you know, whoa, God, when was that? When, when was that film? Early seventies, you know, in the in the early seventies, the world was a very different place. You know, I still think in early seventies, though, particularly in Texas, you should have enough sense not to just walk in someone's house. You know what I mean? Well, like, then you could say he was just defending his home. Exactly. And that's the thing is somebody just pointed out that with Texas make my day laws, like, you know, yeah, they were a little extreme, but they didn't really break the law because these people were trespassing. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? That's right, man. You've entered my home. I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. You know, I I, uh, I see that with with Letterface. That stuff is like, you know, it's scary. Like you see that in Letterface where he's like looking, like trying to see like are there any more people coming in the house? Like he's like freaking out, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so funny. That is interesting with that character. You really see him start to kind of uh, 
like have a mental breakdown really he starts kind of freaking out and you know kind of like pulling at his hair and stuff and he's you know i couldn't tell if he was nervous or if he was actually like excited that there was finally like oh there's there's food here you know <laughs> I, feel, I feel like i feel like he was more i got the feeling like watching the performance that he was more freaking out like where are all these kids coming from you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah, I think the one of the freakiest parts of that original movie though is when they're um, trying to get Grandpa to kill her. Like, get him, Grandpa! It's your turn. Yeah, and they like put put the girl's fingers in his mouth, and he's like biting at the fingers and making the fingers bleed. It's like, yeah. dude, this is this is wild. This it's is so wild. wild. Yeah. It's like that. Whole but the, uh, yeah, like like that's like that's definitely some like real world scenario right there. Like that that to me is is super scary. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like with um, with, with ones like Michael Myers and Jason, I'm kind of I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, like I don't like when they make them supernatural, it makes them not scary. But I'm the opposite, where I'm like, the only way these stories make sense is if they're kind of supernatural. Like, I like right. the idea of Michael Myers as being this type of boy who's like inhabited by some type of, you know, abyss abyssal entity who just wants to like kill people. You know what I mean? Like. He's like, yeah, and he's it like totally this... makes sense. Like, you know, how how would his body keep getting up? I mean, he gets shot, burned, stabbed. You know, you and I, we'd we'd be down. You yeah, know, as soon like, as as soon as we take a knife, we're like, oh, game's over. I'm, you know. But I think that that kind of idea would be scary. Like, what does that happen if somebody was possessed by some type of entity and they're just just inhuman killing machine? You know, like, yeah. I like that kind of idea. I feel like you should run with it. That's one thing I got annoyed at with the the new trilogy. Is I feel like the end of Halloween kills it felt like very much like it was like saying that yeah he's this personification of evil kind of this like murder machine you know and then Halloween ends they just kind of ignore that it would have made so much more sense if if he transferred this evil entity into that other guy that story would have made more sense than what it did didn't make any sense the way they they didn't make any sense at all unless he literally did transfer this evil essence to that kid you know what I mean so anyway, yeah, and rewatching that recently, it, you know, it's still kind of fresh. It's it's really interesting how like if he is supposed to be this like personification of evil, by the time it shows shows him hiding in the sewers, he's this like broken down old man. You know, he he can't really fight. You know, he can't really put up a, his defenses against that that little that little guy who ends up kind of getting the better of him after a while. That's stupid. But, like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it seemed like they kind of dropped the ball on what could have been the real story, and that is the passing of the torch. But the kid wasn't like as physically imposing, you know. I mean, he was like, what, like five nine, you know? Yeah. Where like Michael, Michael was such a a physically imposing person. He was slim, but he was like at least really tall, and he would like you know lurk over people and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I it's just... hard to pass the torch to that little guy. Yeah, I just feel like it was the wrong approach entirely. The way they took was like, yeah, with what they left off at at the end of Halloween Kills, where he fucking just annihilates all these people. Then your next movie, you're just gonna jump ahead in time, and he's just disappeared. How the fuck does that make any sense? Like, it, I just feel like the whole concept of that last movie was stupid, was inane. Like, it just felt like I dropped the ball, like on what could have been a, a, a much cooler concept in my opinion, if they just ran with the kind of supernatural quality that they were showing in that last, and at the end of kills. And then it's yeah. like people are like, have to figure out how to take Michael down. You know what I mean? And he's literally 
shown to be just type of unstoppable like killing machine basically and i just feel like what they're hinting at at the end of the movie with jamie lee curtis and everything doing her monologue at the end of Helen kills that's where they're going with it and they didn't end up going with that way at all they went this other way which didn't make any sense you know i just thought it was kind of stupid yeah like the fight scene in that is really cool with the uh you know the group takes him down and he's you know seemingly down for the count but then he's so like calculating he counters like he's almost like a prize fighter you know he counters every strike counters every blow but he comes up with like you know his own hits and his own stabs and he takes weapons from people and he pushes hands out of the way and the kid shoots himself in the in the face you know it's like some of that fight stuff is actually like i think pretty cool it's almost yeah. like uh john wick-esque in a way if you will yeah like but that, then it's it's fight, like he yeah, just cool. he just disappears yeah <laughs> that's what didn't make any sense to me he just fucking annihilated this gang of guys like killed yeah. all of them Literally yep. in Howling Kills, I don't know how many people he killed, but it was probably like fifty people in that one movie. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, right, right in the middle of the street. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the whole that I had a hard time with that movie too. Uh, is that the one where they're chanting "Evil dies tonight"? Yeah, that part is real kind of stupid. I I liked some parts of that movie, then some parts were kind of dumb, like the "Evil dies tonight" and all that stuff was like. Yeah, man, I was that was that was pretty rough. I, I had mean, a hard I, time. I I got what they're going for. Like what's the the mob mentality and you know how they kill oh, yeah. by an accident stuff. So I kind of got the torches, for, but... torches and pitchfork. But like, you mean to tell me that 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 mob of people confused that little penguin-looking guy for Michael Myers? Like, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> like they kept saying, "Oh, that's Michael's here, Michael's here," and they're chasing what looks like Danny DeVito around the hospital. Like, there's no way that that little guy is who's who they're looking for. Like, yeah. no one stopped to say. That's clearly not our guy. Yeah, that, that all that stuff was very annoying. If, I think they could have cut that whole plotline out movie and it would have been stronger. I yeah. did like that. That you know, I did like the. I did personally, even though it annoys some people, I liked the fact that it pointed out that Michael didn't give a fuck about about you know um, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Like that wasn't. He didn't really yeah. care about her. The, the doctor in the first movie like is the only reason that he ended up in Jamie Lee Curtis's like house, you know. Otherwise, he probably would never have went to that house. You know what I mean? And oh, then, dude, that first one is so funny. Like, how does Michael know how to drive a car? Well, he did it in the very first movie. Remember? Right. Like, like, how does that even happen? Like, I love that. Like, we were sitting there cracking up rewatching it recently, and he just drives by. But he like looks out the side window with his mask on, and they see him slowly drive by. I'm like, that scene is so funny. Yeah, I feel like uh, <laughs> the only way any of that makes sense is that he is some type of entity inhabiting this body. You know what I mean? Like, right? Yeah. And I think that's partly the intent of the of the original movie is to not say it outright, but he's he's the shape. He's like personification of some type of evil force. You know and that's why where Michael makes sense to me as a character when you try to, I, I did feel like even in a second movie, the whole she's his sister stuff just seemed kind of silly to me. Like, I just felt like, yeah. you know, I just thought that was stupid personally. I thought the whole sister thing was stupid. Well, somebody was telling me that they think the most recent, uh, like the, the recent two that came out, um, was supposed to be an homage to Halloween three season of the witch. They were saying that like that that entire thing is like paying homage to that, I guess. What uh, Halloween ends? 
Yeah, how was it? Halloween Kills and Hall- yeah, Halloween Ends is supposed to be an homage to uh, Season of the Witch. Yeah, but it but it doesn't make any sense in the plot the plot line that they set up in Halloween one, you know, in twenty eighteen and Kills. Yeah. It just was very like disappointing. I don't know. I just thought Ends was kind of was not. I didn't like it very much personally. So I had a lot of problems. Well, that's it, it, the redeeming thing, or the again, are the fight scenes. You know, I, is it uh Halloween Kills, where he takes out the firefighters. Yeah, that scene's really he, cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, that, that scene's badass, dude. And that and that's what you want to see with Michael Myers, you know? Again, he it reinforces the idea that he's possessed by something otherworldly. Yeah. He shoves the fire poker into the into the fireman and just picks him up, and, you know? And it's like, yeah. this that, that whole fight scene is so badass. Yeah, and that... Uh... That's, I mean, that's one thing I'll say about Kills is at least gave you what you want for a Halloween movie where it's just Michael killing people pretty much for the entire day movie. And you're like, yep. if you just cut out that whole, you know, evil dies tonight thing, you know, basically just at least have like the mob kind of get together from the bar and they're like going to hunt Michael. And then you see them later on at the end and they fight him at the end, but you just cut out the whole hospital subplot except for you know you can just go be at the hospital of jamie curtis at the hospital and then all these people are coming into the hospital from that michael's like murdered or semi-murdered or whatever you know what i mean i think that would have been a lot more interesting than having the whole that whole plot line you know well the problem is money talks you know so they want to want to get as many films out of these stories as possible they stretch them so thin that you know that that original Halloween story could have been three movies. You know, they could have mushed those last three films together and just made one awesome movie and kept it moving, high stakes, high action. And I think the fans would have been really into it. You know, it's like, give, give me a good two and a half hour film. Give me a solid beginning, middle and end. And, you know, tell me why things are happening but then just keep it moving forward. You know, I don't I think every single movie ends and he's down for the count, but it's like, all right, where are we going with this? And Jamie Lee Curtis looks rougher and rougher as the movies go on. I'm like, there's no way these people can take on this entity af- after this, after a while, you know, you, you start to lose interest after a while. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like if they just ended with the 2018 movie, it would have been fine, you know, like, yeah. or even a end of kills, like, <laughs> But they said they did ends, and it's just like, it's just like, okay, this isn't what we signed up for. And, uh, you know, well, I completely forgot that they did that. You know, I was when we were searching for the movies, I was like, oh, I totally forgot that instead of just doing two last movies, they actually stretched it into a third. I totally forgot about Halloween Ends. I thought it stopped at kills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like, probably, cool. Yeah, probably for the better, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. like you see that with Scream, right? Like Scream is up to uh, they've got part seven coming out, so we watched all the Scream movies up up until uh, you know the unreleased one, of course. But we watched part one, and that's that's actually really cool. Like that's really good and it holds up really well. You know, it's a little cheesy with the '90s stuff, but you know, whatever. But they get progressively worse. Like by the time part five hits, where it's like, all right, man. Where are we going with this? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, never, I didn't end up watching five or six. Um, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, if the only way I'm going to go watch it is because I like the idea of Stu being alive and like doing some type of thing with Stu. Like, he didn't end up dying. 
at the end of one. So if they bring back, you know, Stu as a character, like, um, you know, the, um, what's his name? You know, blanking on, on the guy's name. Uh, then I'll watch it again. Cause I like him a lot. You know, he's such a crazy actor, you know, I think it'd be kind of fun, but. Are you talking about, uh, are you talking about Matthew, Matthew Lillard's character? Yeah. Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Like I, if yeah, they bring, it's, uh... if they bring him back in the next movie, then I'll watch that movie just to watch him. Cause like, I would like that idea that he didn't die and now he's creating some type of cult, a ghost face or something, which was supposed to be the original plot of um, how we, Scream 3 is originally supposed to bring Matthew Lord back and then it was going to be this thing where he creates this cult, a ghost face or whatever, where and like encourage like kids to murder each other and stuff like that. But then because of uh, because of of Columbine, the studio's like, no, you're not making that basically, you know, you can't have. So they just dropped it. But I was like, I would like to see that. I like, you know, maybe Matthew Lord's character didn't die and comes back. I would watch that. I just, but I don't really care about well, those other movies, you know. Well, when I think of horror too, I also think it's supposed to be art for the sake of making art, you know. So it's like if you're having to go through so much red tape just to put out a movie, is it is it serving the genre after a while? You know, like okay, it's really unfortunate that you had such a horrific act happen in real life. But, you know, art inspires life, life inspires art. And I think that that story would have been really cool. I mean, you kind of saw that even in uh, the cult of Chucky. Like, there was, like, multiple Chucky dolls, and the spirit was starting to take over all the Chucky yeah. dolls, you know? But, like, yeah. it, by, I think it's by Scream 2 or 3, like, the, t- the they started actually making... Uh, the documentary that they use the original title for called Stab. And, uh, you know, Scream is supposed to be called Stab. So in the movies, they're making Stab. Yeah. But they're using the original costume of the killer. And, like, the people that were victims of the killers are just supposed to be cool with it. They're just, just supposed to put up with it, you know. And, like, there's posters all over the town. So in a way, they're kind of like being contradictory to themselves because they're reflecting what happens in life to art and vice versa within yeah. the movie itself. So yeah. <laughs> I would have, yeah, like, like Scream 3, the movie that we end up getting, it's kind of a piece of shit because it's like, I mean, there's kind of some interesting ideas in it with like them making the movie and, you know, she's going into like a replication of her house from the first movie and, and a studio yeah. and stuff. There's a kind of interesting, but the plot that Kevin Williamson had in mind for that would have been a lot more interesting. And we can thank, uh, thank the Weinsteins for why Kevin Williamson didn't even write the third movie. Cause they're fucking assholes, you know? <laughs> well, again, it's like anything that starts to uh, make any amount of money, you know, starts to become bastardized after a while, you know, it's like everything has a, has a price and yeah. you start to really, uh, you know, they really play into that after the while. But the, uh, yeah, it's just really funny because, you know, some of these stories are so old now and life moves so quick that, uh, you know, watching some of these films, they don't hold up at all. And Reagan and I were watching, um, I think it was like Scream 4. And Jackie walked in and she was like, are you guys watching Scary Movie? <laughs> or is this actually scream and i was like you know what you're actually right like this is so bad it is like watching scary movie 
I never like I had seen, to remind myself. <laughs> I've actually never seen Scream Four. I've only seen up to Scream Three. I, like when Scream Four came out, I was like, I don't care. So I didn't. I didn't, yeah. I didn't go to see it. So it's the same approach when you had like Halloween H two O. Like, what are we doing, man? Probably <laughs> What's H2O even going is, on here? Probably H two O is still better than that than Scream Four, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. at least the uh, the plot line and this and the timing in the movie makes sense. You know, it's like you know he's been away so now he's back versus it, it's been 40 years and everyone's old now <laughs> yeah like with, with h2o at least you know you got jamie curtis back it kind of adds acts as a good like capper to the first two movies you know yep. but you know but yeah because i just rewatched halloween four five and six um a couple, like i should have watched it in halloween but instead i watched it like in fucking like august just i just was like <laughs> You know, they had they put four and five on Shutter, and I was like, you know, I haven't seen these movies in like over a decade. I don't really remember them that well, so I revisited them, and then I then I rented the producer's cut of six because I had never seen the producer's cut, which I do think is superior to the theatrical cut of six. Um, but uh, um, four is I think is pretty good. Halloween four, I like that one. I like um Daniel Harris in it. You know. Um, I like uh, I like the it overall. It's not a it's a pretty good movie. Five is one of the worst pieces of trash I've ever seen. Like it's such a horrible movie, you know. Like there's nothing. There's almost no redeeming qualities to five at all, you know. Oh, like, dude, it's been so long since I've seen those like middle chunk of movies. Like, I just it, I just wrote them off. I mean, it's it's kind of good to revisit. Like I said, four is I still holds up. I like that. I liked four a lot, but yeah. five is uh pretty rough but six the producer's cut i liked it a lot actually i mean it has like music cues from other movies and you know it's literally a producer's cut but so it has some of the music cues that howarth did and it has some like um other random cuts and but it's actually a lot better than the theatrical version of six and has some interesting stuff going on in it and uh you know you just it's a little goofy with the cult of thorn and all that stuff but I kind of right. liked that at the same time because it felt like a little bit more in line with even Halloween three in a way with like this kind of druid cult and stuff like that, which they completely changed in the theatrical version of the movie. Uh, the Weinsteins literally had them do these reshoots where they completely changed the entire ending of the movie and the entire point of the cult of Thorn. Totally. They totally changed it. And didn't tell anybody involved with the movie. Like they didn't tell the director, they didn't tell the producers. They did this completely like on their own initiative. And and then like so there was like big like issues between uh, you know, everybody and but the wine scenes and then getting their way and putting out this the horror the kind of horrible cut of the original of the movie that came out. Is that the like all for this is that like why why I mean you hear about that a lot, right? So it's like why does that happen in movies and shows? Like, is that someone just having like a complete control freak moment? Like they think this is going to make it more money and they're like, no, 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 my way is well, the it's, way it's gone. I saw an interview recently with, uh, it was, it was actually a thing. Uh, it was, I mean, it, I, did you listen to that, 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 um, postmortem McGarris episode where they did the tribute to Roger Corman and, um, Joe Dante was yes. talking about how everybody in control, like all the big, guys in power and in Hollywood don't 
actually understand movies at all and don't know what's good and what's not like they don't yeah they don't understand film and or filmmaking in any way but they're the ones making the choices and that's what you can see if it was like a whole different version of like the exorcist that they had in mind and then like they went in and chopped it all up yeah like exorcist 3 that happened to a lot of movies like particularly like the weinsteins we were like notorious of that like that's why like so many of the later hellraiser movies like Hellraiser 4 could have been a really cool movie, but then they completely just chopped it up and destroyed like what people are, you know, the original concept basically. And you can kind of see the good movie that was there in that movie, but then the way that they edited it and everything, like it's horrible. They were like very, very like uh, notorious for that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, that's so crazy, you know, <laughs> like, but I mean, but then you think these are the same type of guys who are like raping women and stuff like that. So, you know, you can yep. tell the, the type of person that's making these kind of decisions, you know, and I don't know why, why film is like that so much. Like why you have these people who don't understand film in charge of film, you know what I mean? And they, they, they cause all these problems and it's always, it's always like studio meddling, which ruins most movies. You know what I mean? Well, especially with something like like horror that's supposed to be kind of like uh, subculture, if you will. Like it's supposed to be like underground, like horror isn't for everybody. You know, it's not it's it's not meant to be uh, digested with, with this wide audience. Now they want every horror movie to be this like, you know, huge blockbuster movie. And it, in my opinion, it's not supposed to be like that. Like when, when I hear about any one horror movie making like, I don't know, $5 million. It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. I like guess it caters to such a finite crowd of people that are into such a specific thing. And it, it's, you know, they're into the macabre and all this, you know, crazy stuff. You know, it's not supposed to be what they want it to be. So these, these figureheads come in there like the Weinsteins and they like, well, we got to polish this up. You know, we got to make this, this you know billion dollar box office that we want to see and they, they end up just like bastardizing so many movies like that you know and i they, think that's what happens with like halloween that kind of thing yeah the irony is that horror is actually right now at this point in time the most profitable genre and i think it's mostly just because horror movie fans are the, the ones that still want to go see stuff in the theaters you know like like th- this last year almost all the, the only outside yeah. of Barbie yep. and Oppenheimer, like almost all the other successful movies this whole year have been horror movies. You know what I mean? Which is good yep. because there'll be more horror yeah. movies, but the only other good thing that's kind of a good sign too is the last two years, the most successful horror movies have been new properties as well. You know, it's not just like IP. I think people are getting tired of IP stuff, like of people just... Mm-hmm let's just regurgitate another fucking Halloween or another whatever IP. Let's, you know, we need new stuff. We need new ideas, you know, in my opinion, in the horror world, you know? Well, and that's, I think when you see something like that, like a new idea and like the, like, again, like Terrifier came out at the perfect time, you know, we hadn't seen like a new slasher like that. And, and who like, vi- like visually he wasn't Pennywise, you know, we had a couple of years of the it remakes, you know, Oh, another killer clown. But now you have Art, the clown, who is kind of reminiscent of Michael Myers in a lot of ways, but he's also very uh, brutal. I will say it's kind of a turnoff for me when they start using guns. I think it's too easy. 
You know, like Art shouldn't pick up a gun and use a gun. Like that's that's not his style. Like he should be using blades and saws and uh, you know, also like getting creative with his tools of of uh, of murder. I think like a gun is just it's it's too simple. You know, I think the thing that's great about Art is he looks like he's having the time of his life as he's murdering people. You know, he's like oh, yeah. he's like the kind of yep. evil who's like exulting in his evil, which I think is pretty. Uh, yeah, he's uh, really into it. <laughs> I, I, I like I like that. I like showing a figure who's just evil and likes being evil, takes pleasure out of being yep. evil. I just think that's a lot more fun to watch than, you know, like some people trying to humanize evil and stuff like that. You know, like, I think it's a little bit more fun to see somebody who's like, yeah, I like, you know, yeah. I love being evil. I'm uh-huh. so fun. <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, they fully told you like, you know, he is something other, you know, he's not just a guy. Yeah. He's you know, like, like human. Uh, is it part two when he starts kind of seeing the, the little girl in the, in the um, laundromat or is that part one? I can't remember. I don't remember. Well, they, you know, at some point, he you know he he gets shot in the head and they you know he dies but then you know he starts to pull himself back together but in doing so he starts having these like hallucinate you know visions of uh like another basically girl version of him but it's like this demented ass little kid and no one else can see it but him okay so you know they say like yeah he's you know he's he's controlled by something otherworldly he is not a human and you know he enjoys doing what he's what he's doing he's creating art you know <laughs> well, that's that's why I, I like kind of those, those types of ideas of what's like with the exorcist like i've always held that the exorcist like the entity in that isn't like the devil or some type of demon quote-unquote pazuzu or something like that. it's actually some type of right. uh abyssic entity that enjoys it's kind of unhuman entity you like likes torturing people and gets pleasure out of, you know what I mean? Like that's what I think causes things like that. Like the exorcist, even in real life where people get possessed and stuff like that. I think it's something like that. So when I see the exorcist, well, that's, that's uh, how I take that, that movie. And I actually feel like, you know, that that's how I see a movie like that. You know, it's like, it's something, something like of this kind of cosmic evil that really is kind of unhuman and exults in causing pain, you know? Yeah, and they've got the whole world full of other humans that are just throwaway toys, you know? That's another genre of movie that still can freak me out, or like demonic possession. Because like you said, it's it's something taking over a seemingly normal person and making them do things to other people and themselves that you, they would never do any other time. Like, you know, the the demonic thing that is possessing any one person it's just jumping from human toy to human toy. You know, it's like, Oh, like uh, Reagan in the first exorcist, that that's just another human to whatever this creature is. If I completely destroy its body and like, you know, run it ragged, I'll just jump in another one and, you know, keep, I got 8 billion people on earth. I can hop to, you know? <laughs> yeah. And these type of things that, yeah, I feel like they kind of feed off of pain and suffering and, you know, they, yeah, they enjoy that. I mean, I really do believe there are things like that in the in the world. And um, so that makes something like The Exorcist actually, like I don't take it in a Christian way that most people do because I'm not mm-hmm. Christian at all. Like I don't believe in, and I think, I do think those things are real, but I also don't think it's what they're calling it. Cause you know, yeah. in my experience, a demon like Pazuzu or Belial or something has no interest in possessing a little girl, you know, right? but there are entities out there who 
do like doing that kind of stuff and do like causing pain and they'll use whatever words make somebody afraid. So if they'll like scan it and they know that these people are Christians, they're going to use Christian terminology. It's going to freak them out, you know, and that's my opinion. Like, and I think that's something that you see trans culturally in all cultures of the world. There's the same kind of possession of these, like these kind of abyssic entities is what I call them. And they're just like possess people and, destroy their bodies and, you know, do it, feed off of the fear. And then they, once they destroy the person or if they just leave and go to another body and do the same thing. And like you said, so it's like, I, movies like that, I feel like do really good at capturing that. Even if, yeah, you just, I just read it as not in, in the same context as Christians. So like yeah. the exorcist still can, it's funny with that movie as I gotten older, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I feel like if I was a parent, it'd be harder to watch that movie as a parent than as a kid, you know, like when you're a kid and you see it, it didn't really scare mm -hmm. me that much. Really as an adult, I can put myself more in position of the mother and go, man, that'd be fuck fucking horrible to have, yeah. have yeah. that happen to your yeah, kid. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're, watch, you're watching your child suffer unimaginable horrors, but that's where, um, you know, like, I, I don't think a possessive entity would really care about age or gender. Like, it's, it doesn't see, it, it's not going to have any empathy towards a younger human being just because it happens to be younger than this person over here. It's, it's, they're just it, flesh and bone, you know? If, this if is anything, it might, to, yeah, if anything, it might have some type of idea that this will cause more pain. So it'll be more of a tasty yeah. morsel, so to say, a uh, child, because then it can cause more pain and suffering around it. You know what I mean? Well, that's kind of like, again, with like Chucky, right? Like you've got this doll who is the, what, what was it called? The good guy, the good guy doll. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah. Oh, I want this doll. So they go, you know, and they just treat when Chucky needs to get somewhere, he's like, Oh, I'll go into doll mode and I'll just stand still and someone will pick me up and I'm, I'm off on my next adventure. And then he comes to life and like that's that's actually terrifying. Can you imagine having this doll sitting on your counter, and all of a sudden he's standing on his feet and he pulls a knife out and he's chasing <laughs> you across the across the apartment? <laughs> right, like you're like, oh my god, like a shit's coming to life. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so it's like your kid, right? It's like, you know, you go to give your kid a hug and it sinks his teeth in your neck, and you're like, oh, what's going on with this thing? But he's possessed by this whole other thing, and you're like, it, you're like, you're trying to be gentle with it at first because like, oh, what's wrong with my child? What's wrong with this this kid? And then, you know, before you know it, you've got it strapped to the bed and, you know, jabbing itself in the privates with a crucifix, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty horrific. And it takes it that, that extra step, you know, yeah. of horror and, and just like degradation and all stuff. Like you really, I think that's why The Exorcist, again, is one of those movies that really, like there's some of those other ones we're talking about that hit something like very real and primal, you know? Right. I mean, it's kind of similar like in the Night of the Living Dead, the original movie with like the scene where the daughter murders her parents. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. you don't see that kind of stuff in movies as much anymore because people are afraid to take that that leap that I think filmmakers weren't afraid to do in the, the particularly the 70s and even to the early 80s. It was like the Wild West. Like, you had this absolute freedom, it seemed like, where they were just like, oh, let's just go fucking as far as we can because like you know it's like independent film you know what i mean well that's like they uh back then i actually have a night of living dead poster over here they uh they said it's at the top of the poster it says more terrifying 
than Hitchcock's Psycho. So, you know, back then, this was something that people had never seen before. And it's, uh, you raise an interesting point, though. If I'm an undead creature, you know, I'm, I'm zombie cam, and I, and I eat my parents, is that still murder? Am I, am I still responsible for murder at this point? Or am I, I'm, I'm something other, so I can't be held responsible for this kind of thing. Yeah, I think if you're a zombie, you're probably not held accountable. And yeah, <laughs> and in a way too, if you're like a completely possessed, you know, Reagan murders the guy and throws him out the window. Was it? Right. It wasn't. It wasn't really Reagan doing that, right? It was right. the demon. But then how do you how do you prove that in a court of law, right? It's like okay, well, it's the 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 creature that was possessing me has moved on, but I've I've created all these horrific crimes against humanity while I was possessed. You know, who's who's to be held accountable at this point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of because it's not the same thing as like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or somebody who like murdered people under his own will. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, and that's that's honestly where some people think that that is someone being possessed. Like they think that those people were possessed, you know, the Ed Gaines, the uh, Dahmers, uh, the, the, the Bundys of the world. Like they think these guys were actually not in control of what they were actually doing, that there was something else going on there. Yeah. You never, I mean, you really do, you never really know. I mean, I guess it depends on, you know, what happens, like, you know, at a certain point, somebody like Dahmer, you could almost see that because he fucking went the extra mile, man, you know, like, and he actually really believed that he was obsessed with the emperor from Star Wars, Emperor Palpatine, and he oh. wanted to make a throne he had like these drawings of like this throne he wanted to make with like human skulls to empower himself so he could get to this like dark magic where he could like, you know, you know, channel, you know, have control over people and all this stuff. Like, so he was like, he had some inter some really bizarre ideas going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also a shame that that Netflix series didn't touch on nearly any of that crazy stuff. Like it was so straightforward. They were like, yeah, young, handsome guy turned cannibal. He was eating the people in the apartment. It had this impact on the neighborhood, but they didn't really get into any of the real, the real crazy shit that was going on with that guy. Yeah, because I didn't see that movie, but I was like, I was, I was curious if that series did. So now you tell me it does. They didn't talk about the, the wacko shit that that he was involved with, like where he's trying to create these like altars of skulls and stuff like that, and like. No, it pretty much touches on the fact that like he was uh, pursuing the bathhouses and the gay clubs and bringing people home, taking their picture and then murdering them. I mean, that, that element alone is pretty horrific, but you know, they don't, you know, in, in a way you feel bad for him throughout the series. Cause you know, he's portrayed by this actor that we know from other things. So you're, you're relating to him. You're like, Oh, this, this poor kid, he just had a troubled childhood. If only things had gone left instead of right and up instead of down, but you know, in all reality, they don't show you like no this this person was was fucking wild. Like he had a lot going on with him. <laughs> yeah, he was really wild. <laughs> Did you watch the? Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the name of the movie, but there was a possession movie about a film crew that was trying to document like this like possessions. They were was following this guy. The Last Exorcist or Last Exorcism. Yeah, is that part of the universe where it's like the exorcism of, but it's a name? It's like exorcism of so and so. What are what are exorcism of Emily Rose, which is a, which is like yes. a court case about the, okay. the, the the 
where it's like two things. It's like you're, you're presented with the court case of this, this priest who did the exorcism and rose and she ended up dying. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing about the exorcist and you're hearing about her life through the court case and all that kind of stuff. And then there was like the last exorcist was the found footage movie where it was this documentary crew following this like evangelical yeah. preacher guy who was like doing these exorcisms and stuff like that. That's the one I'm thinking of. We, we watched that pretty recently. I thought that was actually pretty cool. And uh, I, I didn't notice the, the timestamp on it, but it seems like that that was a real trend in horror for a while. Was a, and I think that's resurfacing is like the, uh, the found footage thing. And, uh, but I thought that was cool because, you know, this guy, he, uh, you know, he's being accused of all these other awful things against his own children. And he's like, I'm not doing this stuff. I'm like, well, why'd your daughter show up at my apartment and is like licking my shoulder? Like, what's up with this? <laughs> Yeah, that yeah that that movie that's another one that really shows like the impact on a family and then like this this outside force is generating all this chaos for them but um i thought that was pretty cool that, that was done well yeah because uh, yeah the last sexism was the one where they go to the house and like the, the countryside yeah. right? just when you saw yeah yep. and then, then it ends up with like there's like some type of satanic cult or something like that cult stuff mm-hmm. going on i think you kind of hinted at some stuff at the end of it yeah and everybody dies yeah and i, I haven't seen Exorcist, last exorcist 2 i heard it's actually pretty good or i think it yeah, tells the story a little bit more usually i don't really pay a whole lot of attention to like reviews you know like reviews are basically it's another word for opinion yeah but i've heard such awful stuff about the new exorcism movie that i i don't know if i'm going to be seeing that one though like I, like real I, real people that i know in real life are like dude this is really bad I'd recommend watching it for yourself and, and make, you know, cause I did, I did see it. And, um, it, I would say that I actually liked the first part of the movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's a big, there's a big, the, the first, I would say the first, I don't know, the first act of the movie really, I thought was r- pretty well done. Okay. Um, and then it starts to kind of get real whack around the point where Ellen Bernstein comes in. It starts to kind of like, get a little goofy there's still some cool scenes in that second part of the movie but it's definitely not like it gets a little it gets kind of silly you know at that point and so it starts to and that's where it's like maybe maybe some editing could be good you know like if you got to chop down a two-hour movie to like an hour and a half and so be it you know that's just what it's got to be like give me give me the good stuff and like, you know leave all the filler stuff out yeah i feel like the problem was the editing got kind of weird it actually was kind of like one of those things where they didn't develop certain things that they should have and they kind of kind of introduced like too much stuff in the second half in a way yeah but um it still had some cool scenes in in the second half and the exorcism part of it had some cool scenes as well and um i liked the ending like of how it kind of wrapped up um so yeah i personally didn't think that it was as horrible as i was hearing you know because like i went into it all i'd seen was negative reviews stuff i had really low expectations Uh but i do know like mike hill has said you know it's not as bad as people say it was and so i kind of went in i was like i'm gonna go into an open mind and watch it yeah yeah. you know it's gonna be like and um and i thought it was pretty you know like i said i think the first part of it was actually pretty effective but well, I sometimes say, I wonder, like, maybe I'm just not, uh, like, like smart enough to understand what's going on in certain things. You know, <laughs> it's like, uh, 
like I, I like um, uh, what was that movie? Nope. It's like some of these movies that I guess you would consider highbrow horror. I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm just not really smart enough to really understand what's going on here. But it seemed to me when they reveal the monster, I'm just, I, I lost interest. I'm like, what's happening in this town is really spooky and really eerie. And you've got this omnipresent thing that's happening and it's centered over this house for some reason. But like, there are other people outside of the town that are aware of these weird happenings. And then they show the monster and I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> it it looks like a giant. Um, uh, what are those things like a like a man ray? You know, yeah. It's like that's that's what we're dealing with. It's, I feel like it looked like, like okay. a, a flying cowboy hat or something. You know, like yeah, exactly. It was like I a did, flying cowboy hat. Yeah, I don't. I'm actually not a fan of Jordan Peele. I feel like he's incredibly overrated. You know, I see a lot of people yeah. just like slobbing slobbing all over them to slob on his knob. You know what I mean? Like about how great he is. Which I I well, do I do respect that he doesn't he doesn't seem to buy into his own hype either. Like I know somebody's yeah. like, oh, he's the greatest. He's like, no, John Carpenter's the greatest. You know, like uh-huh. but I can respect that about him, but I just don't really like his movies very much, and I don't. Well, it really seems like, like he has a good like he has a good idea. Like like the ideas are good. Um, what what was was his other one? Get out. Yeah, Get out, and then Us. I think was the third, second one. Yeah. Yeah, like I I can see. When I'm watching him, I can see what he's getting at. And then it almost feels like he's trying to pull away from that message, but also keep it kind of scary. So you have these two combative things that aren't really meeting in the middle. And that's just where I'm like, you know what, man, maybe I just don't understand it. <laughs> I feel like, I think my, my issue with Jordan Peele a little bit is that, you know, his stuff sometimes gets too messagey where you feel like he's trying to make up point to the point that it's a little heavy handed compared to even, you know, like George Romero always had like a kind of message in his movies, but it never felt right. like so much. I mean, maybe a few times like Dawn of the Dead, it got a little heavy handed with like, you know, consumerism zombies, you know, like, but it wasn't right. that much where with, I think with Peel, sometimes this stuff is too much like social political, like message movies, like yeah. where it starts to like, I start to roll my eyes a little bit where I'm just like, you know, like, too on the nose, too obvious. It's like that, yeah. that that horrible like Candyman reboot thing that he he produced. Like, you know, yeah. I just and I didn't like his Twilight Zone stuff he did. You know, like it just felt like I don't know. I just feel like he's like overrated, and I, and I get yeah, kind of annoyed I mean, at people like just. I feel like it, and I honestly feel like there's kind of a weird kind of racism in the sense that Daryl's just like over exalting his work because he's black. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you see these white people like, oh, he's so great because they want to look like they're like pat themselves yeah. on the back about how like, <laughs> you know, progressive they are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it can, it can get a little messy there with everybody trying to wave the flags of where they stand. I mean, it's, yeah, without getting into it too much, but yeah, we're definitely on the same page with that. But, you know, I mean, there's a way to do the messaging in horror that makes it really interesting. And that's with, um, like the black mirror series I thought was really good, especially this past season was fantastic. It's like you, you get the message, you see what's going on. And um, there was another modern horror film that I liked quite a bit. Um, it was called influencer. I thought that was pretty cool. Cause that's like a, that's like a, a, a modern thing that kids today could really relate to, you know, and it is a real thing. It's everybody puts their best versions of themselves on the internet and they, 
you know, they only put out these good things and they, everything is shot in a way. It looks like they're living these glamorous lives. And then someone comes in and is able to kind of manipulate that and take over. I don't know if you saw it, but it, that's that's worth your time. It's pretty good. Yeah, I heard. Uh, I remember I listened to the episode Necromaniacs did about it. it sound it sounded pretty uh-huh. interesting. Yeah, and I, I do think there's there's a way to do messaging in an interesting way. And um, right, like you said, Black Mirror is a good example. But that's kind of like taking things that's going on right now and then pushing it forward a little bit, being like, okay, what's this going to look like ten years or something like? if it's the worst thing happens, you know what I mean? Like, like that one episode with the, with the like robot dogs that take over, you know, like that's pretty scary stuff because those little dogs really do exist and they're out there run already. You know, people have made them, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think the, uh, one of the biggest problems I have is when the, the, the powers that be take a beloved story of mine and they do a big screen version of it and they just completely wreck it. Like one of my favorite books, I got it sitting right here. This little guy. You ever read I Am Legend? Yeah, of course. Oh man, yeah, that's classic. this is one of my all-time favorite, dude. It's I read this every year around this time, and uh, you know, come on out, Neville. And the, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's alone out in the middle of nowhere, small, you know, super small town. Houses are miles in between, but he's got this gang of vampires hovering around his house they're trying to lure him out and there's like one trying to be all sexy and one trying to lure him out with like you know booze and drugs he's like come on out neville but you know they take it to the big screen and they just fuck it up you know it's like they made what three versions they had the last man on the earth with vincent price which to this day is probably the still the best one out of the movies to a certain degree and then you got a little closer then you got Omega Man with uh, with um, oh, what's his name? The had an NRA, uh, Charlton Heston. Yeah, Charlton Heston. Yep. Which is kind of a fun movie, but it definitely doesn't capture the book at all. Although I do, no, do kind of like the I, scenes. I want to, I want to see that movie done real justice. Like, like bring bring this to to real life. Like, just I don't care if it's page for page. Just just give me this in real action like you know with the will smith story that was like so far removed from what the actual story was i, I was like this they should have just called it something else i probably would have liked that movie more if it was called something else honestly yeah it, since they used the title i was like it really didn't have anything to do with the book it kind of felt like more of like a remake and expansion of like the omega man's in a way you know like it had more to do with yeah. that story but then i could it, see that but it didn't really seem to have anything to do with I Am Legend, the book at all. Like it was completely separate from the book. You know what I mean? So with, with all this horror talk, do you guys throw down for Halloween? What do you, what do you usually do? For Halloween, I um, usually go to, over my friends and we scare kids. Nice. You know, <laughs> wear a mask, we stand outside and scare them after they get their candy, you know, chase them down there. So, you know. That's one of these fun. days I'm going to, I'm going to turn my garage into a haunted house. One of these days I did it years and years ago and uh, my neighborhood goes off and they do a, um, it, it's a good time. The whole neighborhood's out. Everyone has the decor out. Now the problem I have with uh, some of these suburban neighborhoods is that they decorate for Halloween as if they're decorating for Christmas. You know, Halloween's supposed to be spooky and scary and skeletons and ghosts and stuff. But, you know, especially with the recent phenomenon with the, um, what do they call them, like the inflatable decor. You walk around my neighborhood and everyone's got, 
neon lights and inflatable decor. It's the same shit they put out for Christmas, but it's like black cats and skeletons and boogie boogie from like the nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, all right, are we, are we, are we decorated for Christmas or decorated for Halloween? Cause this, this shit is not scary. There's the one, there's one guy. He has this big, ass, I'll send you a picture. He's got this big ass headless horseman inflatable. Okay. And that's, that's pretty sick. I'm like this. I like that quite a bit. I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. Yeah. But like, you know, something gets crazy. There's one guy on my on my route who has a headless horseman, like actual, like I think I think Glows or Home Depot did a headless horseman, okay, like animatronic type of thing or like a statue type of thing. You know, you could get a few oh, years cool. ago, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You see a few people who get that kind of stuff, like you know the animatronics from Home Depot or whatever, which I like when I see those. There's a couple houses go up. Like my friend decorates. He has got like a. Uh, animatronic freddy and jason which he got like you know 10 years ago or whatever or even longer than even yeah, yeah. like the real old school ones and then he's got he just got the leather face that uh lowe's had so oh, he has, i didn't even see that yeah so he's got a, a leather face and, and then he put like a meat market in front of it with like a table with all the like <laughs> body parts you know so that's really like cool cemetery I, I like it when it's um it's very DIY. Like there's, there's one guy over here who makes all of his own stuff and uh, he spends three hours. He has a whole yard full of skeletons, but he spends three hours dressing each skeleton to look like it's been like degloved of its skin. That's awesome. So he has like, yeah, he's got all this melted plastic on it and he's painted everything. And he, uh, he's affiliated with some race team out here, but he, um he and his whole crew come out and they just, you know, they, they go all out and he does these tombstones that are like wood and they're kind of like real shoddy carved out and like hand distressed and stuff. And it looks really just, uh, really macabre, you know, it's, it's really cool. And yeah. you know, you got the guy across the street who's got all the Walmart inflatable shit. And it's like, well, this over here looks more Halloween than what's going on over here. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the inflatables, uh phenomena personally i do pre- i like the i like people who get like different props and maybe they you know i've seen guys who there's one house that that um this guy like took like you know maybe probably it was like originally like skeletons he got somewhere you know like some of those skeletons but then he reinforced them so they stand and they stand in these positions and they got like weapons and stuff like they kind of look like oh, from cool. <laughs> they look like the skeletons from army of darkness i think that's what yeah off of, you know so it's like that's pretty got, cool though yeah they got people doing that kind of stuff to me that's what i don't know i remember being i remember particularly in the early 90s being a kid and going trick-or-treating and the type of howling decorations from back then and a lot of it was homemade and or you know i really miss the uh the days of like the the cutouts, you know, the cardboard yeah. cutout stuff, like people put in their windows yeah. or, you know, you'd have like the cut, cutout skeleton you put on your front door, stuff like that. I really, I kind of miss those old school yeah, 90s I mean, cutouts, you know? Yeah. It's like, the, that's like the roots era, you know, that's like, um, you know, Halloween costumes were like, oh, I want to be this thing. I mean, let me look around the house and see what I have let's break into mom's makeup case. We'll make ourselves look like zombies and stuff. And we'll, we'll tear up old sweaters and we'll rip up our clothes and we'll look like we've crawled out of the ground. And, you know, we'll, you know, maybe, maybe you go buy like some fake teeth to be a vampire, but you're building, 
Like I remember I used to uh, dress like any member of kiss when I was really little, you know, I, I would buy the mask, but I would wrap. I remember one year I wrapped my legs in foil and I made these uh, foil shoulder pads cause I was ace freely <laughs> and my neighbor helped me do it. He built like shoulder pads out of cardboard. Yeah. Like, dude, this, this is what Halloween is. Like you're supposed to look like shit. You know, you're not supposed to be like, like my kids get upset if they don't look like they stepped out of an Amazon page. And I'm like, guys, this isn't what this is. This is supposed to be gritty. It, it's you're going to go trick or treating for like two or three hours. You know, you don't need to be super polished. You know, you, you got to look like you're putting some heart into this thing. Yeah. Like my dad, when my first costume, I was Dracula. That was my very first Halloween. I got like the, you know, we went down to Woolworth, you know, back when that was a thing. And I got my Woolworth, yeah. like Dracula, like cape and, you know, wore like black Quite plastic <laughs> yeah what it was like a vinyl cape you know yeah it was, I, yeah it was like a thick trash bag basically yeah and then i wore you know black like you know uh sweatpants you know sweat shirt yep. sweatpants or something and had like the little exactly. medall- plastic medallion in my cape and uh-huh. you know try to slick my hair back to look like uh you know bella lugosi you know because i was like obsessed with the universal movies that's right i think i was like three or four i was my first first uh trick-or-treat year you know it was like oh yeah it was, exci- that, it was that, like the best. it was most exciting i remember it was like the most exciting like that day like where you're waiting to go trick-or-treating and you're just like all day halloween you're just so excited to put your costume on yes. and go out and trick-or-treat and get candy and stuff like i remember that feeling and um yeah so i, I remember the first year i was dracula then i think the next year i was like this demon my dad helped me make this like demon mask it kind of looked like uh it looked more like almost like he kind of cut it to look kind of like a uh a uh like a japanese kabuki mask or something like this demon mask that's what i wore no, that's cool i kind yeah. of decorated it with like you know i drew stuff on it and then i think after that i was a uh trying to, i was grim the grim reaper like was the one yeah, I think no I think second year I was Halloween was the Grim Reaper and then I was the third year was the demon so I had the the thing and I had like shitty like you know mask and yeah I was like the Grim Reaper and then um well well now it's like it's it's all about like just trying to dress as whatever popular at at the time like I remember a couple years ago it was like you bumped into a thousand Harley Quinns outside. Yeah. And then it was like uh, the 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 joke Joaquin Phoenix's Joker a couple years later, and now it's I'm sure this year is going to be you know 500 Barbies outside and Kens and that kind of thing. It's like people are really more concerned with being whatever is trendy at the moment. But like I would go to the thrift store and get an old uh, an old man's blazer, like a like a flannel blazer, and paint myself my face up. Remember I had spray paint color for my hair. I went as the Joker. So spray painted green, break into my mom's makeup kit, and I'd suddenly, you know, with these old man clothes on, and suddenly I'm I'm Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, I remember one year my dad helped me make a headless horseman costume. So oh, that's wild. He, made, he like took um, uh, wire hangers and like kind of warped it so I could put it over my head, right? And so then uh-huh. I'd have like the shoulders sticking out, kind of like a little bit above, like, and he like took old socks. And like made the shoulders and, you know, like did it on, so it didn't hurt to have like the wire hanger on your head. <laughs> and then I, then he took like a piece of black fabric and cut it and cut two eye holes. And then I laid that on top of like my, my face so I could still see. And then he 
took like a, a cape, you know, like, uh, you know, got another, you know, one of those kind of capes from the store and then uh-huh. tie it sort of sitting on top of my head. And then, so yeah, then I'd walk around and I looked like the, the fucking, the headless horseman. Cause I was like obsessed with it. I was like obsessed yeah. with the headless horseman and Legislate Be Hollow. Like, and yeah, that's one of the best stories though. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. So it's like, that's the kind of stuff and people are like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, like that you had this totally like homemade kind of costume, but it, you know, looked, looked cool. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cause and, then the next day you're like, you know, you're tossing it off and throwing it away anyway, you know? <laughs> the, um, yeah, I mean, I kept, I kept this stuff for a while cause everyone's why I dress up like, like that when I was a kid, like, you know, Oh, that's cool. But, uh, yeah, my dad, my dad did a, a really good looking ghost rider one year, you know, he already had the biker jacket. So he just went to Home Depot and bought a couple lengths of chain, zipped up his biker jacket, put on his leather gloves, wrapped the chain around his waist and across his torso, and he hand-painted flames on a, a skull mask. I actually still have the mask from back in the day. Uh, one of the I used it on one of the covers for the um, Black Flame Death Cult, okay, where I'm holding yeah. the hatchet with a skull mask. That's the yeah, mask. Yeah. Okay, cool. I remember, I remember him being uh, me being a kid and looking at him and being like, you're right off the page. Like, this is incredible. It looked amazing. And it, I'm sure back then it looked like complete shit. But, like, you know, he, he put so much heart and soul into the costume that it that in itself made it amazing, you know. Yeah. And that, now it's like everything's so store-bought and right off the rack. It, it's just, um, you know, at the risk of sounding like an old curmudgeon old man. Like, it just doesn't, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of people just, they're, they're missing they're missing the point. They're missing the heart and soul. And, like- uh one thing I was thinking about yesterday, because there's like the rec center by my house is doing a trunk or treat. And I was like, these people doing trunk or treat stuff, in my opinion, like, do they not realize that they're ruining Halloween, that they're killing Halloween by doing these, these stupid, like they Dude. think, they think, oh, we're, so lame. we're giving kids this, this like safe place to come and get candy or whatever. Like, no, like yeah. that's, that's like, you're killing Halloween doing this. Cause now kids aren't coming, you know, they need to go out want, Run, wander the streets, go house to house, like, yeah, fuck the trunk or treat young, stuff. Like, if your kid's too young to be out, then you know, go with them. You know, exactly, like when my yeah. kids were little, like, I'd go with them. And we all hit a point where you're old enough to go out on your own, but you know, but uh, Carl, we could go on for hours, my friend. Yeah, I'm gonna have to hop off of here. I gotta pick up my uh, youngest from uh, she's at gymnastics right now, so I gotta go scoop her up, but awesome. Man. Um, Dude, this combo could go for hours, uh, yeah, and it, it's always it's always a blast talking to you. It's always cool to get to see you. You too, brother. But, um, and I think I'm yeah, actually going to release this as a special episode for Halloween. You know, like oh yeah, cause we're, so much about horror and Halloween. I feel like it's appropriate to come out like as an extra episode. Do it, dude. You know what I mean? So that's right. Yeah. That sounds awesome to me. Sounds awesome, cool, brother. So we'll see you later. All right, my friend. We'll chat later. Have a great night. Bye, buddy. Bye.
Oh, 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 oh,